News Talk Breakfast with Kira Kelly and Shane Coleman. In association with AIR on News Talk. Now, the European Commission President Ursula von der Leyen and British Prime Minister Rishi Sunak are to meet in London today, with the two expected to announce a deal to resolve the issues around the Northern Ireland Protocol later on today. And for more on this, I'm joined now by Matthew Paris, columnist with The Times and former Conservative MP and Ben Lowry, editor of the Belfast Newsletter. I might come to you first, Matthew. A big headline on your on your paper, your old paper, The Times. I've won big concessions from EU, claims Sunak. Is he right? Yes, he is right. It's, um, I think it's quite extraordinary what he's, he's managed to win. And um, so, some of Boris's friends, Boris Johnson's friends, are um, anonymously saying that if they'd had a deal like this offered, they would have um, bitten the EU's hand off. It's, um, I, 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 I really don't think we're going to get a better deal than this from the European Union. And I would have imagined that the government of Ireland has been quite influential in persuading the European Union that, that this just has to be got through. I want to bring you in, Ben. Ben, this is an extraordinary deal. It is the most concessions that have ever been achieved by, by, by Westminster. Will it be enough for the DUP? Well, that's one reading of the deal. We don't know the, de- the, the, the details of the deal. I mean, I did talk to, we know the shape of the deal, the outline of the deal. Um, I did talk to Sir Geoffrey Donaldson, the leader of the DUP last night. He gave us a line for the paper and they haven't seen the 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 details haven't seen the text. I think the big problem in this is that while it is clear that the European Union has moved, um, Northern Ireland will fundamentally be, uh, I, I believe, unless something very surprising happens, under EU rules. And that's um, a really difficult thing for unionists to accept. And I think a lot of the characterization of, of unionism as being unreasonable and extreme and so on, is 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 quite wrong because there's a big spectrum of unionists, including many unionists that we represent. I mean, I happen to be one who were anti-Brexit, um, didn't want Brexit, but we don't want to be removed from the UK in this way. So it's, uh, I mean, the pressure on the DUP to accept it will be enormous. But for a unionist to accept, if this is what ends up being the case. We're, we're hearing, uh, that, that, Ben, though, that, that they've, they're, they're scrapping checks and paperwork on the vast majority of goods and that 90% of EU rules simply won't apply to goods that are in Northern Ireland uh, unless they're due for export to the Republic. So so it will be very light touch any, any EU regulations at all. And that the ECJ, which I know is a significant stumbling point, uh, a stumbling block rather for, for unionism, that whilst it may remain the arbiter of, I suppose, disputes that Brussels won't have any ability to refer directly to the ECJ. And, and so, so lots of, I suppose, safeguards have been put in for the union. If, if, if 90% of, of, of EU rules don't apply, I mean, there's a, a lot of potential trickery around this, then that will be very surprising. I mean, certainly what the EU and what has been clear for, 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 for months, actually, I mean, there's no question that the EU has moved, is it has cleverly been seeking to, to, to gain, to retain the legal gain uh, um, over Northern Ireland trade rules and trying to make it uh, less onerous the movements. I mean, we actually had a Hollier, very, very highly informed Hollier, on our front page about ten days ago, saying that he expects the checks to be more or less eliminated. He doesn't expect the paperwork to be. Um, he's very concerned about the paperwork, and he says the paperwork is the big barrier okay. between Great Britain and Northern Ireland. But this is really problematic for unionists, even moderate unionists. Okay, uh, um, Matthew, let me bring you back in. How hard do you think it will be for Rishi Sunak, never mind just to sell it to the DUP, but also to sell it to, to 
to, I suppose, the hardline Tories, the 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 ones in the ERG. Will that will that be a real Achilles heel? We're hearing there's going to be a charm offensive, I suppose, on, on this going forward. I'm getting the impression that the the hardline uh, right wing conservative MPs are less in number on on this issue than we might have thought. Uh, people were talking about. 40, 50, 60, it's looking more like 20 or 30. And I would have thought that how the DUP jumps on on this will very much influence how the the European Research Group right-wing Tories themselves jump. They will take their lead, most of them. So if the DUP uh, dig in, then they may well dig in as well. But if there is only 20 or 30 of them, is, is that okay in terms of Rishi Sunak's ability to deal with them? Well, I, I think that it would actually be quite a good thing for Rishi Sunak's own personal standing to have a bit of a showdown. To stand up to them. A small uh, yes, number of MPs to, to, to show that he's right. The problem is, I, I, I understand very much unionist objections, but the unionist objections are really to the whole principle of the withdrawal agreement as, it regards, as regards Northern Ireland. And there just isn't any way that the withdrawal agreement can be respected without completely undermining the, 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 the point of the withdrawal agreement. So I, I, I don't think Rishi Sunak can go any further. I think that most Conservative MPs probably understand that he can't go any further. And those that will continue to oppose basically just don't like the withdrawal agreement that we've had with the European Union. Okay. And, and I put that to you, Ben, that like the unionism is on a sticky wicket, some kind of a withdrawal agreement, some, some kind of an agreement in general has to be cobbled out eventually. There probably is no uh, agreement without some forms of compromises, even if some of them are, are difficult to swallow. What would it take, do you think? I know, uh, putting aside for a moment the seven tests, but... Uh, is there some kind of a dividend that could be, do you think, given to Northern Ireland that might make th- this acceptable to unionism? Well, I think actually the more interesting thing about unionism, and unionism has been caricatured very unfairly by by, by, by the paper that Matthew is an excellent columnist for, not by Matthew himself because he's not a, a leader writer, but it was talking about no surrender and so on in an editorial last week. Actually, union the very fact that there's a possibility of unionism accepting this and that all the way through unionism has uh, been unsure and, and, and considered supporting uh, Theresa May's backstop and so on is because of an awareness in unionism that um, if you don't agree to things, then something worse can happen. And the problem is for Geoffrey Donaldson, who's you know, at the pragmatic end of unionism and maybe, maybe, maybe at this moment is still unsure what to do, is that um, uh, if you do agree to this, if you do agree to the these fundamental um, principles, and and, and unionists would say we don't see um, Sinn Féin or Irish Republicans being being asked to do this. If you agree to these fundamental principles, then um, where does it all end up? I mean, uh, being outside of the UK, Trojan, that's a very, very big deal and quite a complicated thing. And it will it all be fairly harmless with time? So it's actually quite hard an answer to your your question. So you think think to characterise unionism as Ulster sort of says no, that 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 is unfair, that unionism is, is is more flexible. Can I ask you lastly, before I let you go, the UVF have obviously said that the streets will be in flames, which is an awful, uh, uh, I, I suppose, prediction. Should there be any kind of checks in the Irish Sea, any kind of a trade border in the Irish Sea? How concerned are people in Northern Ireland about loyalist violence, the potential for it erupting? 
Well, I mean, I think there is concern. We, we obviously had an attack on a police officer. My sense, and I never would want to be complacent about this, Northern Ireland is a very changed society, prosperous, generally for society, um, you know, very much like the rest of these islands, that my, my sense would be that the appetite for violence anywhere in the community is very small. That would be my sense and my hope. But the troubles in the 1960s, I wasn't alive then, apparently came out of nowhere um, and surprised a lot of people. So I, I just hope that that's... Okay. I don't think there's an appetite for it. Look, thank you both very much for speaking to me this morning. That is Matthew Paris, their columnist with The Times of London and former Conservative MP and Ben Larry, editor of the Belfast Newsletter. News Talk Breakfast with Kira Kelly and Shane Coleman. In association with AIR. Weekday mornings at 7 on News Talk.